Our second Bible reading uh, comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse uh, 1 to 10. And in our Pew Bibles, it comes from page 1133. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfilment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Thank you, uh, Brian, for reading God's word to us this morning. So let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask you bless it to our souls this morning, that we be encouraged by it. It is your word. Lord, I pray you forgive me for my sins. And thank you for the great privilege and honor of sharing your word with your precious people. That together we will grow in Christ as we think about our redemption in Jesus. Amen. Well, friends, uh, this morning, before I get into the text, people have asked me um, last week, are there any good books to read on the subject of adoption in Christ? And uh, these are some of the books that I have used, uh, Adopted by God, by Robert A. Peterson. Uh, this one I purchased a couple of weeks ago and I've read it. It's uh, uh, Reclaiming Adoption. It's another uh, little excellent book. Uh, John Piper has got a, a chapter there as well. Uh, there's this one from Joel Beek, which is Hairs with Christ, another uh, good read. And uh, J.I. Packer, Knowing God, has got an excellent chapter on adoption. There are just four. There are other theological books that I've read. I uh, didn't bring that here this morning. But, but th- these four I found quite helpful to deal uh, with the topic of adoption, just in case you want to know uh, more about it. Well, what a joy this morning to uh, be able to commission uh, Anna Harris into uh, gospel work uh, for one year of ministry uh, within uh, the campus at Deacon and also to work here in our church. Uh, It is a joy for us to see how God touches and moves people uh, through the power of His Spirit, knowing that we are chosen in Christ, we are adopted in Christ, and this morning, uh, look at what it means to be redeemed in Christ. So today we continue our series of studies on the book of Ephesians. People have asked me, Chris, we're reading Ephesians chapter 1, 1 to 10 for the last few weeks. Well, this will be the last one on that uh, section of, of Scripture, all right? So we worked our way through four or five messages uh, on that section. So this morning we're going to focus our thoughts and minds on Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 7 to 10. And so we continue our study in our series on Ephesians. 
As I previously pointed out, Ephesians 1, 3-14 is one long sentence. One long sentence. There's no full stop in the middle there. It comes right at the end. Paul was so taken up with all the spiritual blessings of Christ in the heavenly realms that he kept on writing. I wonder what, if he had a scribe, if he had a secretary writing, I wonder how that secretary would have felt. He or she would have said, are you going to stop somewhere, Paul? Let me put a full stop somewhere. No, no, keep going, keep going. Right up to verse 14. And so last week we dealt with an important topic. The adoption in Christ, adopted in Christ. And I highlighted some of the blessings of our adoption in Jesus. I want to point that out this morning so that it sets the, the context here as well to what we're going to look at uh, in our text. Let me recap. I said five things there. That is that we are adopted as his children, that is we belong to him, chosen before the foundation of the world. That's the first one. Secondly, I said we have a new family, God's family. He is redeemed community. God has not only saved us, but he has also blessed us with a family of God. Those who would encourage us, support us, fellowship with us, pray with us, and work together as his family. And Paul will speak about family relationships and so forth in chapter 4. Third one is God is our Father. He is our Father. The loving, gracious, compassionate and caring Father as we saw last week from the Westminster Confession of Faith, the definition of what it means to be adopted in Christ. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul writing said that we can cry out to God. Two words. Anyone? Abba Father. Abba Father. That is Daddy. Dear Daddy. How's that? Eh? Then you can go to God and cry out to Him and say, Dear Daddy, I come to you because you are my Abba Father. For we have access to the throne of God. We can come boldly into His presence at any time. We don't need to go through security clearance protocols, nothing. We come straight to God. In the name of Jesus. Five. Being adopted in God also means in Christ. That God has one natural uh, begotten son Jesus. But now he has adopted us in Christ. Who is now our brother in, in Christ. That is Christ is our brother. What a blessing is that. Think about that for a moment. Right. I've just listed five spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms uh, that is due to our adoption in Christ. And therefore I said, in light of our adoption in Christ, live your life confidently. Live it confidently in Christ. Knowing that you belong to Him. Secondly, serve Him with a servant heart. Because God has been good to you and He's adopted you as His child. A servant heart is what God calls his people to have. Three, live with praise. Give praise to God knowing that our adoption in Christ is such a wonderful blessing. Don't you think so? It's such a tremendous blessing to know the power of this living God who has brought you not only to salvation, but has also given you a family to be part of. Giving praise to this God. Then, live with gratitude. Knowing that God in his grace and through his son has made you his precious child. And finally, live expectantly. 
Live expectantly. That is, knowing that our adoption has future implications. We are people who live now, but we also look to the future. We don't just live our lives for the year and the now. Our life is also has a futuristic perspective to it. That is, the adopted family of God, whom God has chosen before the foundations of this world, whom God has elected in his grace and mercy, whom God has adopted in Christ, will be a family that would reign with Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. Whether we like it or not, we will be brothers and sisters in Christ for eternity. So we better get along well with each other here, because in heaven, (laughs) we can't escape each other. (laughs) All right? Not that we would, because there will be no sin in our hearts. There will be no sin. So we won't have these conflicts. We won't have these interpersonal problems, because there is no sin. It will be a perfect place in heaven. Until such a time comes, life is a challenge. Relationships are a challenge. Marriage becomes an issue. Everything becomes a massive challenge because of sin. So having blessed and praised God for election, predestination, adoption as children of God in Christ, Paul now goes on to praise God for the redemption that is ours in Christ. That's the flow, that's the structural flow in this passage. He now highlights that redemption. This is what we see in our text for this morning, Ephesians 1, 7-10, where Paul speaks of our redemption in Christ and also God's plan and purpose in Christ. So we see this morning the price of redemption. And we see the goal of redemption. Notice the text, friends. Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Verse 8, let me read that also. That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Now, let me say this. The New Testament words used to describe the atonement have both a secular and sacred background. In other words, the New Testament writers drew upon a vocabulary which was already in use in the Greco-Roman world. But they also built upon this rich world of the Old Testament, world of redemption, to make a deeper point about how God has been the Redeemer. And so in the Greco-Roman world, redemption often related to the purchasing of freedom of a slave. For example, in the marketplace, there were those who were sold as slaves. So you could go out to the marketplace and bid for a slave. I mean, just think about that huh? for a moment. And go there and you can, you, can have a, you can buy a slave. And so hence, redemption, to redeem such persons meant to pay the purchase price for their release from bondage. So someone would pay the purchase price for the slave and release that slave from bondage. And the price required to purchase such freedom was called a ransom. And now its primary usage in the Bible is to buy back from slavery and set the person free. Do we see that? And hence freedom came at a cost. And the Old Testament provides a good background for the New Testament understanding of the idea of redemption. And the major event which set the tone for all other further discussion about redemption 
in the remainder of the Old Testament and New Testament was of course the Exodus and the Passover events. Deuteronomy chapter 7, 6 and 8. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. And then, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your, your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and, what has he done? He has redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He has redeemed you. He has brought you out. Here is the setting, here is the picture of redemption coming right in the Old Testament. God had rescued or redeemed his own people from slavery in Egypt. Remember the hard life in Egypt? Remember that? God had now purchased them out of that place from Egypt. God had rescued them. So the word redemption that Paul uses here, in this text, the original word essentially means to lose or to set free by the payment of a price. And Paul says this, that now we have redemption. There is a price that was paid for our redemption. Now, John Stott, in his excellent book, I think some of you would have read this book. If you haven't, it's a great book to read, The Cross of Christ. Uh, in, in this book, uh, John Stott says three things about redemption. He says, uh, he says that redemption takes into consideration, one, the plight from which we are ransomed. The plight, a desperate place. Two, the price with which we are ransomed. There was a price that was paid. And third, the person of the Redeemer who has proprietary rights over the Redeemer. That is, because you have been bought with a price, the person who bought you now has proprietary rights over you. You, have, you don't have any more rights because that person has paid the price and bought you. You're under new marriage. Oh, wow. Why, man, that's good, is it? <laughs> We're under new management. You're under a new king. You're under a new master. You have been bought with a price. I mean, my notes... Uh, People must be reading my notes somehow. <laughs> We're under new management, right? Because we've been bought with a price, propriety. And, 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 and John Stott expands on it and says, this is the propriety rights that Christ now has upon his people. The question is, friends, what are we redeemed from? What are we redeemed from? Let me refer to some passages on this topic so that we'll understand what we are redeemed from. We are redeemed from the wrath of God for our sinfulness. Romans chapter 1, 18 to 32. You read that passage. We don't have time to read it this morning. But you see there. God is, is pouring out his wrath upon this world. And he is redeeming a people. The wrath of God against sin. You see men uh, 
doing sexual acts with other men and, and giving up their bodies and, and the pleasure of, of all of these things, women with other women, it's a chaotic world. God is giving up, is pouring out his wrath as it were in, in, in this world against sin. Secondly, we are redeemed from, from slavery to sin itself. Romans chapter 6, 15 to 23. A passage that speaks about that. Paul says uh, in, in, in verse 18 in particular, he says, uh, You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You've been set free. That is, let me say, your shackles, your sin shackles has been torn, been, been, been unshackled. You're no longer walking with the shackles of sin, even though sin puts us down and brings us down and we sin against God and everything else. Our master no longer is sin. Our, our hearts are now touched and changed. This is the gospel, friend. This is what changes people from the inside out. Is that not what the world needs today? All our psychologists and sociologists and everyone else says, change the environment and things will change. Do values lessons for kids and things will change in our society. No, no, no. The gospel says, God says, I'll change you from the inside. So that the unlovable you will love. <laughs> so that the unforgiving you will forgive. So that your mindset has changed. Your mind has been transformed. Your heart has been touched. And your life is being transformed from inside. Do you see that? That's the work of the gospel. No matter how many external things we may have, and it's important because we are lawless people, so we need laws, alright? Just like when you're driving on the freeway or something, like yesterday I was driving on the freeway, uh, I wasn't actually, my son was driving, <laughs> and I said, watch the speed, just in case. There are laws here, we don't want to get speeding fines, double demerit points, anything, we have to obey the laws because it's important. If it's not there... If it's not there, if you're driving, if you're driven in Europe, you know that. I mean, I hit the speed of 140. I've never driven 140 in my life. You ask my family, they always tell me, Dad, you're always 5 or 10, kilo, uh, 10 kilometers below the speed level. Why are you doing this, Dad? That's me. I mean, I'm, that's me. I always drive 5 years lower, <laughs> generally speaking. <laughs> so I haven't got any speed in fine so far. So far. So that's, that's, that's the trick, isn't it? Drive five days less. You see, there are laws. And if, if the laws are not there, we will go 200 cases maybe. But the point of the matter is, when God has changed us from the inside, then we're able to obey also those laws because he's changing us from within. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are redeemed from God's condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. We are redeemed from our former empty way of life. 1 Peter. You see, friends, the plight of humanity is that we have sinned against God. And God takes sin utmost, with utmost seriousness. He cannot turn the blind eye to sin. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, the whole of humanity fell. And we see the first sacrifice immediately following the fall. Genesis 3.21 then God replaced fig leaves that Adam and Eve had around them. He replaced them with animal skins on Adam and Eve. The first picture of a sacrifice of animals. Genesis chapter 3, that God promised the Redeemer, the first gospel. The proto-evangelium, they call it. The first gospel was preached. You know where? Where was it preached? 
in the garden. Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve fell, the gospel was preached. God preached the first gospel. Mercy and grace was shown by God right in the garden. And in the fullness of time, he sent the promised redeemer to redeem us, to buy us back from sin and Satan. And Paul the Apostle speaks of that redemption. Paul says that in him, that is in Christ, God brings about redemption through the blood of his son. Why redemption by blood? I, I've often thought about this. I've often thought, God couldn't have done it any other way. We don't like to see blood. Right? I, mean, I, I can't... This is weird. I mean, I was a guy who was thinking of the medicine, right? And I was all focused on that in the bio lab and everything else. But when I go to a hospital and I see blood, I, I can't focus. I can't, I can't handle it. I can't even get the smell of all the kind of stuff that's in the place. I, I try and get out of the place. Because we don't want to see blood. Some people can handle it, others can't. But so I was, why blood, Lord? Why? Why, uh, why do you want blood? Could God not have saved us in any other way? See, the author of the book of Hebrews says this. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Do you see that? Remember the Passover account in Exodus? The angel of death passed over the houses of the Israelites who had blood sprinkled on their doorpost. Remember the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, when an unblemished animal was taken into the Holy of Holies and sacrificed for the sins of the Israelites. You see, these accounts in, in the Old Testament foreshadowed the redemption that was to come in Christ. They were pointing forward to a greater redemption. Pointing forward to God's beloved Son, Jesus. And in the fullness of time, this is what we read in Galatians, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under law. Why? Let's read it. To redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. The text doesn't say that, but we call the children of God. Alright, so I don't want... Women to think, oh, this is a men thing. No, we are children of God in Christ. See, and this is what happened in God's perfect timing. His son went to the cross as the lamb to the slaughter. And on the cross, his blood was shed. No wonder Paul says, in him, that is in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. And the apostle Peter, speaking of the blood of Christ, says this. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish. Now, silver and gold. How many of you got gold chains? I mean, you might have gold rings, right? Some people have silver rings. I've got two gold rings. So. One is my wedding ring. It has C and R, so I'm always reminded of my lovely wife Rose. It's always there. And this is what my parents gave me when I was ordained. So, that's, that's 22 carats Sri Lankan gold, but this will, this will get me. <laughs> that's what they say, that's what my mother says. I say, oh, thank you very much, I'm a rich guy, I got two rings, 22 carat gold. No, I'm not. The point is, all this gold will not buy me salvation. All the silver that we have 
will not buy us salvation. It's only the precious blood of Christ that buys me salvation. You see, that's what Paul is saying. Notice the words precious blood. This is the most precious blood. The most precious blood that has been spilt on earth. There will be no other. He has bought us with a price. The price of his precious blood. Our Lord's blood as purchasing power, friends. The blood of Christ as purchasing power which is not affected by inflation or the swings in the stock market. Unlike currency which fluctuates from day to day, especially when you're traveling overseas, you always look for the best exchange rate for your Aussie dollar, right? You find a place where you can get the best exchange rate. I remember that. We were walking from place to place trying to get the best exchange rate Red, and there was no commission for the, for the Aussie dollar. You got the change. Unlike currency that fluctuates, the purchasing power of the blood of Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the purchasing power of the blood of Christ is universal. By that I mean it's across the world. And God is calling the people from every tribe, nation, and language, redeemed by his blood. Did you see that? See, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said this about the precious blood of Christ. Uh, he's written a sermon titled Precious Blood. That is Spurgeon, right? He, he's an amazing guy. Anyway, he says this, Your powers of speech would fail to convey to you an idea of the preciousness. Behold, here, a person innocent without taint within or flaw without, a person meritorious who magnified the law and made it honorable, a person who served both God and man even unto death. Nay, here you have a divine person, so divine, in the Acts of the Apostles, Paul calls his blood the blood of God. Place innocence and merit and dignity and position and guarded itself in the scale, and then conceive what must be inestimable value of the blood which Jesus Christ poured forth. And he says, angels must have seen that matchless blood shedding with wonder and amazement. Even God himself saw that never before was seen in creation or in providence. He saw himself more gloriously displayed than in the whole universe at the time. And Spurgeon speaks of 12 aspects of the preciousness of the blood, and I, I won't go into that this morning. So I remember, friends, I remember um, a young guy going to church. Uh, my weekends, I was a sports guy, I enjoyed cricket, that was my passion. And today I won't be here this evening because Sri Lanka is playing Australia. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm planning to be here. I, I got a text from somebody this morning. Are you planning to be here this evening because Sri Lanka is playing Australia? I haven't responded as yet, so anyway. <laughs> Forget that. I used to go. I used to go in uh, on weekends, and sometimes my mom used to say, Son, uh, why don't you come to church? Okay. You do the mother, you know, the son thing, child thing, and say, Okay, I'll come, mom. That's all right. I did it to please her. I used to go and sit right in the back, 
just where Hayden used to sit in my church building, somewhere there in the back. And uh, they used to sing this song. It's a song called. Uh, the song went like this: There is power. You know, this? there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. It's an audition for the choir, by the way. Yeah. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Of the lamb. And I used to go there. And it didn't mean a thing to me. I used to sing it. And I came after church. It didn't mean a thing. And after my conversion, when I was converted to Christ, in that church I went and sat in the back. Even though my parents sat in the front, I sat with the young guys because... Young guy, you sit with your young friends. And I sat there in the back, and this song, I had never been in kids' church, I have never been to Sunday's worship, to youth group in my life. This song suddenly began to resonate in my heart. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. You see, there is power in the blood of the Lamb. Because the Lamb of God gave his life at the cross. And the power of the blood of Christ is what Paul is speaking here. And he says here, does he not, that our redemption was not cheap. You see, friends, if you are a Christian today, you have been ransomed. You have been redeemed by the precious, the precious blood of Christ. How precious is the blood of Christ to you this morning? Is it? You have been purchased and rescued. The price has been paid for your sin and mine at the cross with the precious blood of Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Notice that Paul has linked redemption and forgiveness of sins together. They are both connected. Complete forgiveness so that we can stand before the holy God, forgiven, cleansed from all our past present and future sins. John did his talk this morning and Sean was the guy with the leprosy and talked about cleaning and you heard the mother's voice there. Have you had a bath? Have you had a shower? Have you had washed your hands? Think about the spiritual sin and the muck in our lives. Think about that. The stuff that goes on here that no one else outside knows. God knows. And all that filth, all that muck, you feel so unclean, right? The blood of Christ says, I've forgiven you. You're spiritually clean. You are mine. I have shed my precious blood for you. I have covered you with the preciousness of my son's blood. And I have redeemed you with his blood. And I have set you free from being a slave to sin, to be a child of the king. Wow. (laughs) Do you see that? In your life this morning? That's what we see. And Paul says here in the text, in accordance with the riches of grace which he lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, the word lavish 
I looked at the, 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 the original text here to see what the word lavish actually means. It's an intense word and gives us the idea of extravagance. Extravagant God. How is that for a phrase? Eh? Our God is an extravagant God. That is that he is abundantly generous. He is not stingy. Alright? Is God stingy? No. His grace is endless as the ocean. His grace knows no end. His grace has no limit. His grace has no boundaries. And this grace is in keeping with his vast riches. When you combine the riches and lavishness of God together, it tells us, put together the idea that redemption in Christ by his blood is all of his extravagant grace. What a marvelous God we worship. And he has made known to us the mystery of his will. Notice that. This is what we see here. And he has forgiven us. He has cleansed us. And he calls us to be a forgiving people. Do you hold a grudge against someone? Is forgiveness easy? I, I was thinking about this past week. I don't think so. I don't think forgiveness is that easy. <laughs> Real forgiveness is a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge because you're willing to say, Matt, it's okay. Is that correct? I said, mate, or whatever you say in the Aussie phrase. It's okay, I, I, I have forgiven you. That, 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 that's not easy. Because, because in our human nature, we say, oh, this is a struggle. To forgive is to say, I have put that thing behind me, and that's finished. The past is gone. I don't need to revisit the past and bring that sin that was 50 years ago, 10 years ago, or 5 years ago, or whatever that time period, and say, do you remember this? When you have a, a conversation with your wife, and you have a debate, or you have an argument, do you say, ah, remember on the 30th of September, 19, whatever, this is what you did, or you kept a diary. <laughs> Kept a diary of the sins of the other person. What about a diary of your own sins? Eh? You see what I'm saying? Christ forgives. It's not easy to forgive. But when I look at Christ and see that he has forgiven me, then what else can I do but to forgive? You see what I'm saying? And that's hard. But has not God forgiven us? He has. So friends, we have been redeemed in Christ. The mystery of his will has been made known. The mystery of Christ coming into this world. The mystery that was foreshadowed in the past has now been revealed. And this world is not without any focus. Look at what the text says. Making known to us the mystery of his will. I'm going to wind up soon just in case you are a bit impatient here thinking what time this guy is going to stop. Right, just look at the text here. Which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Dr. Asi Sproul says this. The destiny of creation is not an open-ended matter of chance, but he has a divine, omnipotent ability to work out that plan. God has determined a destiny for this world. And he says this. I can't think of anything designed to create more optimism in the church of Jesus Christ than to know that the future of this planet, the future of reality, is in the hands of God alone.
How good is that, eh? The word is not going out aimlessly. History is God's story. It is his story from beginning to end. God has a master plan that the world which has been wor- in this world which has been worked out by him alone. The mystery has been revealed in Christ, but the mystery has been unfolded as well. What an encouragement to share the gospel. Do we share this gospel? John Stott says this in the fullness of time. God's two creations, his whole universe and his whole church will be unified under the cosmic Christ who is the supreme head of both. Amazing statement that the cosmic Christ. Think about that. Okay? We will unpack that this morning, but the cosmic Christ. So friends, as I close this morning, we are redeemed in Christ. Just like when we purchase something, we expect to take possession of it. You buy a house, you sign the, uh, the terms of uh, whatever settlement or whatever, and the date you buy it, you get the keys from the estate agent, it's yours. It's gone. It's yours. It does not belong to the seller anymore. We have seen this morning that Christ has paid the price for us. He bought us with his own blood. We are his. He owns us. You and I belong to him. So as we close, let me pose some questions to you this morning. What does the precious blood of Christ mean to you? What does it mean to you? Two, what am I doing with my life that Christ has redeemed? Three, how am I serving the one who redeemed me by his precious blood? Four, how does knowing the Redeemer, Jesus, shape my life and my relationships? Knowing that history one day will be brought to a climactic end in Christ and God's purposes fully displayed to the whole world when Jesus will consummate the kingdom and his people will reign with him. What a blessing. Do you look forward to that day? Friends, there is a Redeemer. Jesus, God's own Son. Precious Lamb of God. Messiah. Holy One. Let this morning thank God for the precious blood of Christ. Did you? Will you? That we have a Redeemer. Redeemed in Christ. Amen. Lord, we 